Hello and welcome to the astrology show. It's me, Kira Peruge, <laughs> back again with a really fun episode. I'm really stoked to share this one. Um, first of all, I hope you guys enjoyed the houses series. I certainly like had a ball recording them. Um, yeah, each one I was like, oh, we could talk about this for another two hours. <laughs> but hopefully you guys got a lot out of them. Um, yeah. And of course, like all the brilliant astrologers that I've had on. This episode is no different in terms of brilliance. <laughs> um, we are talking locational astrology. And yeah, it's just a really, really good episode. Um in terms of housekeeping, let's see, do I have anything for you guys? Um, I don't think so. I Oh, well, we have a Fresh Voices webinar, of course. Drew Levante will be speaking on Saturday, April 17th about the Pluto and Sagittarius generation, which is exciting. Um, a member of the Pluto and Sag generation talking about Pluto and Sag. We haven't really had much of that yet, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, again, that's the 17th, I believe it's 1 p.m. Pacific, um, and you can find out more about that at freshvoicesinastrology.com. You can sign up, it's 25 bucks for the webinar, and um, you get to keep it forever. You get to keep the recording, so it's a pretty good deal, and you'll be supporting um, a great young astrologer. Um, we have... This, yeah, we have a couple more episodes just lined up. I'm just like working. Honestly, all I'm doing these days is working on my course, um, working with the 11th house, my membership community, and the show. I haven't been doing many readings. I will probably continue to not do readings um, for, for a while, at least while the course is going, because that's taking a lot of my time and energy in the best ways. And I just want to continue to be able to give my course folks, um, and my 11th house folks is more of my, more of my time and energy, which is barely there these days. <laughs> I guess I can chalk that up to a six house perfection year. Um, you know, which I've always called a grind just from watching people move through it. Um, and yeah, now that I'm here, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I described that correctly. <laughs> 29 is a fucking grind. Um, so yeah, my energy is just like pr pretty much zapped. Um, probably because I have my malefic contrary to the sect, um, conjunct my, uh, my time Lord this year. And yeah, I'm just fried, just burnt the fuck out. Um, <laughs> But I'm doing my best. I'm figuring it out. Um, in the meantime, what else do I have for you? We have, yeah, we're somehow like halfway through April somehow already. I don't know how that happened. But um, I have just some really cool episodes in the works for you guys. I'm excited to, to keep recording and keep sharing with you. Um, what else? Yeah, I don't really think I have much else to share honestly. Um, I hope you guys are doing all right. I hope this exalted sun airy season is treating you well. Um, 
And I'm looking forward to Taurus season. I'm particularly looking forward to Venus entering Taurus. Um, that's going to be nice. I'm going to get a massage <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll stop yapping and uh, just pass this over to the interview. I really hope you enjoy it. Hey, Charm and Alyssa, how's it going? Pretty fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited Um, for this episode. I'm like actually really, really excited to have this conversation because, yeah, folks, we're talking about locational astrology. We're talking about the astrology of where you are on this this blue sphere that we we inhabit. so before we get started, of course, I need to introduce my awesome guests. Um, Charm has already been on the show twice, three times? Twice. 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 Okay. I've been seeing you with fresh voices and then my <laughs> show, so I'm getting a little confused. Um, so yeah, you might remember Charm from episode, I believe it was number five. Um, from season Or number one. six. One, I think it was number five. Mm-hmm. Um which was all about Venus with Diana Rose Harper. And then again for episode 13, 13 <laughs> the BTS episode. Um, so much So fun. welcome back, Charm. Thank you so much for, for coming back. No, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to do this with Alyssa. I know. It's, <laughs> this is going to be so good, you guys. Okay. <laughs> so Charm, can you, um, you don't, do not have to share your SMR. Um, but yeah, I won't say I won't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to share your SMR. But what we what we are going to do today is share our our lines that the um, the astrocartography lines that we are living on. So, Charm, if you wouldn't mind sharing what line you're on. Yeah, so um, I'm joining everyone. So I'm originally from Philippines and immigrated to Toronto, um, and a long time ago, about like at two decades ago now, and that made me move to a Mars IC line and actually have a really um, Martian-like story about it because a week into our landing, uh, right next door to our apartment, there was a literal fire that basically just um, started at like 4 a.m. And I was like a teenager, you know, like a newcomer, an immigrant, and was like, I had to call 911 because I opened the door and there was just like smoke and we had to actually evacuate. Um, and we were living at, you know, like a high rise, very high immigrant population kind of high rise uh, downtown. And I was like, wow, when I first learned about astrocartography and planetary lines, I was like, that was my Mars IC line. And I've never experienced fire um, in a home. So that was really interesting. So I'm currently in a Mars IC line. And over the years, that has really expressed itself in ways that I want to move away from it. So that's what and I'll share Mars for now. And your Mars is super strong, too, yeah. in your chart. So that's even, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Oh, yes. Sorry. What do you um, do? <laughs> I am a professional astrologer and tarot 
reader. I have been uh, doing consultations with clients. Um, my, my practice is a Virgo, so I started in September 2017. And I would say that's that's really what I love doing the most is being able to sit with people and do consultations. At this point, I do do that about maybe about 70% of my work is through consultation. The rest are like writing-oriented type of astrology work, which actually also like I think sometimes consultations can feel emotionally taxing. Um, and so it's nice to be able to diversify my work. Um, but at this point, I do want to keep building that practice because I feel like I'm still relatively new to the, you know, to uh, to our astrological community of offering services. But prior to that, um, and still currently, I, I have had like a 12-year practice as a community health nurse. And I feel like that actually really what um, enabled me to be ready to sit with people in, in like a, you know, like a one-on-one space because a lot of my past experience has been working in like sexual assault and domestic violence, a lot of mental health and trauma care, um, you know, harm reduction, LGBTQ primary care. So that's been like my history in terms of working in community health uh, in the capacity of a registered nurse. And so that actually really prepared me to be an astrologer today. Thank you so much for sharing that. I I love that you shared that because that, even though you've been on here twice, that was the first time you shared that. So yeah, I appreciate that. And I, yeah, it just speaks so much to like, yeah, your your the way you are, also, but also like your practice and just like what I don't know, just what your what your whole like practice is sort of oriented towards, and like just your whole vibe. Oh, I love thank it. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh. And we know each other. How do how we we knew each other on Twitter, right? That must yeah, have definitely been it. internet, like the warm, friendly astro Twitter. But yeah. also, we were able to Norwak. meet in person at Norwak 2019 before yeah. before p- the pandemic happened. So that was really <laughs> nice to be able to meet in person. Yeah, in Seattle, that was great. We had it was just really. So Charm and I have the same ascendant degree. And so every time it was just like this re- really weird, beautiful, like, like, oh, I don't know. There's something about people who have the same ascendant degree as you yeah, or even planets on that degree where you just, it feels so comfortable and so like, I've been here before sort of thing. It's like, oh yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel think, like a new person. And, and I think often I would find that we would be like saying the same thing and then also oh like yeah if you like it i'm sure i'd like it too (laughs) (laughs) because of that that resonance yeah and one of our all of our teachers sam reynolds um also shares that with us too which is kind of cool and a couple other astrologers there's like two three other astrologers i can think of so it's wild but anyway i forget about his rising sign (laughs) i know (laughs) I don't because we have way too much in common in terms of our charts. So it's like, yeah, that plus five other things. Um, But anyway, yeah, thanks for sharing, Charm. My pleasure. Alyssa, welcome to the astrology show. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Um, I'm just so stoked that you're finally here. Yeah. so tell us if you're if you don't mind sharing your SMR, we'd love to hear that and also a little bit more about your practice. 
So I'm an Aquarius sun, a Cancer moon, and a Leo rising. And I am on my Venus midheaven line, which is a super sweet place to be. It has manifested in um, long car rides and stopping whenever there's like a beautiful view and just taking tons of scenic pictures. Mm, Beautiful. And I run Praxis Astrology. And also do a fun little happy hour called Drunk Astrology Happy Hour. It is not just an hour. <laughs> it is hours upon hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah, happy day. It's, it's a day. <laughs> that both you and Charm have been on. Charm did the astrology of BTS. And Kira, you did like the most wonderful Venusian performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I um, I basically it, like recited the Orphic hymn to to Venus and lingerie and smoked a joint oh. for everyone <laughs> as my presentation. <laughs> That's beautiful. It was great. It was fun. So yeah, practice astrology, um, and we know each other. How do we know it? I guess just through the internet. Yeah, I think just through the internet, through like being kind of in the same astrological places, I think we definitely got closer on Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank God for Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I never went to Norwalk, so I'm one of those like astro floaty people that has never experienced the mysticism of it. You will, you will, you will one day and you'll see. I came across, um, I came across your work, Alyssa, um, when I was, um, uh, attending the queer astrology conference, uh, last year, right? That was 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That was in Um, June. And it was around the, um, when you were before your presentation, the keynote speak speeches, so that's how I came across it, and I just followed you. It was just a natural osmosis, and then you, you know, created the first drunk astrology gathering or conference. We have so many different names for it, um, <laughs> and that, yeah, that's such a beautiful space that you created. It is. It's like so so needed. Um, <clears throat> tell us a little bit more about your practice, like type of offerings you have. So I focus in natal chart readings and locational astrology, and my practice has honestly, I did not think that I would become an astrologer. I have been organizing since I was 16 years old. I think movement work has been the place where I feel the most comfortable, and then 2020 hit and just rerouted my entire life. I had my Saturn return and all of a sudden people wanted readings from me. And before I was giving them for free and I was like, let me organize this in a different way. And people have been coming ever since. And so I use a lot of traditional techniques to talk about liberation and to kind of like encourage radical self-acceptance. And so my practice has been mostly consultations and writing on Patreon and just looking at the transits and being one with the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. And and you two just know each other through the internet then, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, cool. I feel like 
I'm I'm going towards the West Coast. It's just a matter of time that Please. we're going to share all, it's space. All gonna, I think it's going to be like, yeah, West Coast of the United States is like the astrology mecca. <laughs> um, I think it's just happening. And it's, it's us millennials, it's the Pluto and Scorpios who are like really making that a thing. <laughs> There's something about... Well, I I should say what line I'm on. So <clears throat> I moved, I was born on my Mercury midheaven line and also very close to my Jupiter descendant line. Um, and so, yeah, those two planets are angular for me um, natally, but for the first time ever, I moved away from those lines and I'm now on my Neptune ascendant line. Um and yeah, it's been interesting. I just, I really love LA. It's, it's very, I don't know. It feels very enchanted to me. Like it's just so beautiful to me and just driving around, like driving around during sunset, especially I'm just like, wow, this doesn't feel real. Like it really does feel unreal <laughs> when I call it La La Land. It's like, very much la la land for me like um i haven't really i've only been here for a couple of months and i haven't been in any scenes yet i haven't like gone to any parties or anything no celebrity sighting so i haven't seen that side of neptune yet but we'll see we'll see once things start opening up um mm. and yeah i'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more <clears throat> um okay you guys should we get into it should we start talking about it yes um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think to start off, I would love to hear how both of you got into locational astrology and how you sort of like, yeah, pick this niche and why and sort of, I know you both probably have some personal kind of stories or anecdotes around that. So I'd love to hear that. Um, Alyssa, do you want to start? Yeah. So I got into locational astrology almost like accidentally. And so I had gone to an anti-war protest in the city and signed up for this kind of like lunchtime learning astrology thing at Heel House in Brooklyn. And the workshop was on locational astrology. And so I went to this protest and it sucked. There weren't many people there. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of conversation about like what war meant and what it meant, like what it means for people. And so I like left feeling super demoralized. And then I go into this workshop run by Elizabeth Smith, who's a modern psychological astrologer. And I was just expecting to be kind of like entertained, you know, like, mm. oh, this is like a place where I go on vacation or, you know, like what a little thing. And like immediately we started talking and we were talking about the US Pluto return <laughs> and the Saturn Pluto conjunction because it was right as it was happening. And the workshop was completely illuminating. I went home and looked at my chart and I felt insurmountable grief over the effects of war and imperialism and borders and 
I also immediately read myself and found so out so much about my relationships and my friendships. And I, that's how I got started. I took Nitty Gritty Astrology 2 with Sam Reynolds, who is very talented at this astrology and all astrology. Sam is a wonderful teacher. And just have been reading about it, practicing it on clients ever since. Awesome. Yeah. It's been so cool to like get to know you over Clubhouse over the past couple months. (laughs) Question mark. I guess it's been a couple months. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, And just like, yeah, hear you talk about locational. It's always just like, whoa, taking it to another level. And both of you are, and I think we'll talk about that, but like how this is so needed in astrology right now. Um, more perspective, more perspectives, different perspectives on things that we haven't had a lot of perspectives on in terms of like locational. Um, and by that, I mean like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about like sort of the history and, um, but first I want to hear Charm's story, um, about getting into locational. Uh, before I say that, I actually just want to say I remember when, Alyssa, when you started really talking about locational astrology, at least on the Twitter space, Astro Twitter, and I was just filled with so much excitement because for the longest time, it had felt like I really didn't have my, many like peers to talk with, um, you know, and so I remember I was like, oh, yeah, and you, that, that was actually how I got into studying with Sam Reynolds as well because we were talking about teachers um, and the lack thereof. Um, and so I'm just so excited that you have really taken on this like um, exciting interest um, in locational astrology. I definitely feel like we need more folks, um, you know, with like really critical sociopolitical voices to be able to talk about it well. So yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we're in this together, Charm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. I feel like very blessed to be just here in this container with you two at the same time right now. So yeah, I'm stoked about it. This it has such a Venus Kazemi vibe right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, In terms of how I got into it, um, so when I first received my very first astrology reading so I wasn't like a student or I was just like into I was queer and as queer people it's one of those like almost like a prerequisite to like know your astrology and your charts I was like okay I better I better get into that so I got my first um, astrology reading and my the first astrologer who gave me uh, Julia Bayer actually during that session printed my relocated chart and I was like what is this I have never you know I was entering the space being like oh what's my moon sign like I had no idea what um you know in my early 20s I had no idea what um even a birth chart is so basically she just blew my mind and from then on I just you know felt like as I started studying astrology more on my own and then seriously, I realized the utility of locational astrology as a way to actually 
in a way, make sense of and manage a lot of my, you know, like sort of immigration, immigration grief that I, I feel like I'm still processing until now. Because um, I was actually born on a Uranus midheaven line, like exactly. Um, and the way my departure happened, um, you know, in my Filipino family, there isn't a lot of um, good communication <laughs> that happens. And my parents have been applying to leave um, Philippines for a while, for many years, but they didn't tell me until like three months before we were leaving. And, you know, I was already 17 years old. I had like made plans with my best friends about like our future after we graduated high school. So, it really felt like that was when Pluto actually was exactly on my Uranus during our immigration. So that was like quite uh, like a life change, you know, like a complete 180. And what's interesting about being from that part of the world, you know, my chart literally does a 180 flip as well in terms of a relocated chart. So it's been an interesting way to like, and, you know, actually... During the introduction, I talked about being on a Mars IC line. I'm actually also in a Chiron MC line um, in, in, in the ninth house. So it's interesting even the histories of how I got into, you know, studying, like nursing, <laughs> studying, um, getting into the kind of nursing work that I got into in like my youth um, and my interest in sort of, I guess, pursuing a kind of healing trajectory professionally and in a way I think I was just really fumbling and figuring out how to like feel out my grief about losing that life um, and all the relationships that I lost along the way um, and so that's how I got into locational astrology uh, <laughs> is through grief um, and I feel like in 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 some ways um, these are the kinds of um, creative, uh, you know, like processes people could engage in in using this type of astrology, not just so much as like for enjoyment. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, which I feel like we will talk a lot about. Yes. Do you have something to say, Alyssa? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Charm, I love how you're talking about your immigration grief because – um, in my astro cartography lines, I'm so I'm Afro Puerto Rican and Indo Guyanese, and I have a Sun Jupiter line running right through both of those places. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, seeing that and kind of like tracking my own ancestry and being able to see like how some of those aspects have played out in my life and also grappling with, I think like devastation around, you know, being a child of immigrants, but growing up in a super small town where being an immigrant was not necessarily celebrated or, you know, a lot of my food was weird or, mm -hmm. you know, even my parents tried as much as they could to assimilate in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and seeing, I think, especially Jupiter there and relearning how to take up space was like a part of my locational astrology journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
No, it's it's real, and I feel like that living in my Mars IC line really, to me, embodies like a lot of the heartbreak and the pain of like separation from you know like your your roots where you come from, but even how it expressed itself as like really hard conflict with my own family um, being here away from where we came from. Thank you both so much for sharing. Um, yeah, I think it's important to just to hear those stories and to to hear like why people get into this type of astrology and it's not just about traveling to a line to find love, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it can totally be about that too. Um, but, you know, shit goes deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it goes mm-hmm. deep and it's, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you two sharing your stories. Um yeah, I'm like, I, I don't, I, my parents, we go back, we go far back here, I guess, my family, family lines, um, by here, I mean, in, in the US. Um, but it's also true that I don't know much about my ancestry, um, mm-hmm. past, you know, a couple of generations. There's, we've done some um, research and by we, I mean, one of my, one of my sisters, my, um, my dad had five kids before me and my sis- my younger sister. So I know like one of my older sisters and maybe brothers have looked into it as far as like my dad's side of the family. And it's just, it's just very confusing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. cause it's like, but there's some idea, but I did just get 23 and me um, as a, as a Christmas gift that came in at the end of March. Thanks to my sad mom who procrastinates somehow worse than I do. Um, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) um, But I'm I'm very grateful that she sent it to me because I'm excited. I did like ancestry.com maybe like over 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, the results kind of confused me. So I'm excited to see now that it's, you know, more, it's probably going to be a little bit more accurate. And um, yeah, but, you know, the fact that I was born on my I was born in these two very angular lines and we'll get into this, but like two planets that are in detriment mm. and um, just the discomfort I've always felt in that part of the country mm. um, and physical discomfort, especially like the environment mm. um, just being at times really nice. Like humidity is actually feels good to me a lot of the times, but the coldness is just something that, my body just couldn't take anymore. So the thought of moving to a place where the ruler of the first house is now in, in domicile. Um, mm. and, and it's been great. Like, you know, I'm still cold all the time. I still have, you know, <laughs> chronic illnesses and shit. It's not like that changed, but it is so much more comfortable just to be here. Like by far the fact that I can like, w- you know, I was walking, taking walks in January in a t-shirt, like, you know, that it can't be, my body, my body likes it a lot more, but we'll get into the, that, the specifics of dignity in a bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, well, kind of like a little bit of a little history, just kind of like, you know, cause astrocartography isn't, um, astrocartography and locational astrology isn't something that's been around for forever. This isn't like some Hellenistic shit we're talking about. This is like very, very recent, right? And I mean, definitely in the past century, um, so yeah, I would love to hear, well, first I would love to hear like 
I think you guys both said your main teachers were Sam, was Sam Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I also learned from Moses Siragar the third, who's um, okay. who's someone who I think that's that's definitely his specialty. And then I I, I also am currently enrolled with Sam Reynolds. Um, Right, because Moses is the the one person I knew of before before I knew Sam did it, and before like even you two um, came on came on the scene with Locational. I was like the only person I know of is Moses, um, and I haven't learned from him, but I've you know I heard him on podcasts. I think he was on the Astrology podcast at some point, um, and he did do like this free webinar that was helpful. Um, but he Moses is one of those people who can synthesize both a sidereal and a tropical chart (laughs) at once Mm -hmm. um and he's very proficient in both um like vedic astrology and tropical astrology and so when he's doing his delineations it's like kind of he combines all these things together and it's very amazing but a little hard to grasp if you don't you know especially if you're like more of a newbie to astrology. Um, but yeah, that's like the only other person I really knew of before, before I knew Sam did it. And I know a couple other people do it. I had a reading from um, Ann Ortley once and she pulled up my, my relocated chart for California back then. And so, yeah, I've known of it, but. Um, I think Jen Zart also does. Jen's art, yes. Yeah, so I was going to give a shout out to Jen's art because (laughs) I think um, when you're learning locational astrology, it's actually really hard to know who's who's teaching what. And Jen, I did a tutoring session with her and I was just kind of like, this is the way I do it. I really feel like I need some something else like what is it and Jen was like you're amazing at it and I was like oh like I just have imposter syndrome and Jen is so awesome and proficient and really was like a great teacher for me in that respect of kind of like owning my shit and being like Mm. you know acknowledging that there is a little bit of divination alongside the technique in using this part of astrology. I've been meaning to access her Norwak presentation on yeah. astrocartography. I think it was, was 2020. As, a, as an example, <laughs> I attended it. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for bringing up Jen's art. It was last year, Norwak 2020, when I found out Jen's art does locational as well. And um, she did a whole lecture about it. It was super helpful. Um, and yeah, I had this was before I moved to California. Um, so you can hear us talk a little bit about being on a Neptune line. <laughs> I think about it every day, honestly, what she said. Um, and then I t- also talked to Sam about it in like another, in a reading. Um, so yeah, you guys both learned from a couple different teachers, but who... Alyssa, can you speak to like the person who sort of like founded this branch? I wouldn't really call it. Is it a branch of astrology? It's no, because it's under natal, but it's like kind of like a subset of natal astrology. It's a niche, niche. Yeah, it's a yeah. niche. Yeah. I feel like there's some, I'm trying to think, like there's some aspects of it, like geodetics, which like mm. we shouldn't go into that aren't natal. 
Um, mm. And then some people like to include like the charts of places, like their right. synastry with it. And so like it's – I think it's a niche. It's I a feel niche. like locational astrology is the umbrella and then all these little astrocartography and relocated charts – is like in the umbrella. That's how I think mm-hmm. of it. That makes sense. But I was just thinking like between the four branches, like, cause the idea is all astrology falls in between these four branches of astrology, right? Like horary, electional, natal, and um, mundane. mundane. Thank you. I did them in like the worst order, but um, so yeah, in that case, I think locational will probably fall under um, natal, but it's very much like, I want to draw like a Venn diagram or something, (laughs) like a graph, because it would be like this niche off to the side that maybe combines a couple other things. But Mm -hmm. anyway, continue. You were going to (laughs) go into the person who, who brought us this stuff. Yeah. So Jim Lewis is the kind of like creator of this technique. He was an astrologer in the 1970s who had the idea of putting um, planets culminating and descending and all of that onto a map and wrote this book, The Psychology of Astrocartography. He um, is or was a white gay man from San Francisco and really gave us like the blueprint. And I think it's up like up to folks like us to kind of give a blueprint that is um, more inclusive of racial justice, more inclusive of like expressions outside of the gender binary Mm -hmm. and to incorporate our immigration and our like other diverse experiences. And so while Jim is the blueprint, I think that there is a lot of work to be done in the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Yeah. So you said he was, he wrote that book around in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is a very, it's still a baby. It's a baby subject within astrology itself, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it's cool that, like you said, it's finally kind of making its way into more more people so we get more different types of voices, more variety of voices talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So that, what's the book called again? It's called The Psychology of Astrocartography. Cool. And there's other books out there. Um I definitely think there's books on like local space. Um, Michael Irwine is the creator of local space charts. Um, There's Astro Locality by Martin Davis. Martin Davis, that Mm -hmm. has been really helpful. There's a book by Frank Kazi that's also helpful Mm -hmm. in like kind of like conceptualizing and thinking about the planets in their their Mm -hmm. locations. So let's like define some of these terms. So like you said, locational astrology is sort of the umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have astrocartography. We have like relocated charts. You said we have local space. We have a couple of different things. So Mm -hmm. Charm, do you want to take a stab at it? Like kind of doing the what locational astrology is as an umbrella and then sort of astrocartography, local space and um, 
relocated charts because that's kind of the three main ones right unless i'm forgetting something please add it yeah absolutely actually um when i i few people call it i know sam reynolds calls it um astral locality i've just started calling it locational astrology because it felt like oh that's a good term <laughs> yeah I, um, I feel like it's easier to under, understand <laughs> uh without getting into the mess of like the 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 trademarked term but uh what i call it as like the different locational astrology tools essentially so um the astrocartography map which is what jim lewis essentially trademarked is that how you project your chart, uh, so your natal chart onto the world map. And that's how you're able to really kind of witness how laid out all the planets and the different points, like including the lunar nodes in your chart, you know, rise, culminate, um, set and anti-culminate, you know, throughout. Because definitely the premise of locational astrology is that your birth moment can be spatially re replicated. Um, and so that astrocartography map lays that out. But you always want to look at an astrocartography map with a relocated chart because the relocated chart will show us more details. So, you know, because in the astrocartography map, we're really looking at how planets become angular. So how they're, you know, close to the ascendant, midheaven, descendant, IC. Uh, but the relocated chart will actually tell us how things shifted. And so in a way, the, the aspects and the, the kind of relationship your planets have in your birth chart will always remain the same, even when you relocate it, even when you relocate. However, their house placement and their relationship to the angles can shift. And that's the new information we're really looking into. Um, you mentioned, Alyssa, that the geodetic geodetics you don't get into i actually started getting into geodetic charts um through the tutorship of sam reynolds but it's interesting to me to also pull up a geodetic chart wherein it shows fixed angles on each like places in the world which in itself has like some interesting you know colonial um you know really like unpacking that in terms of colonialism. Um, but it's interesting, the concept of how a geodetic chart, as Sam Reynolds explains it, is how a place receives you or how a place experiences you as opposed as to a relocated chart is how you experience a place. So that it's an interesting, you know, even like just imagining what that means, like that flow of energy. Um and then the fourth one is the planetary crossings or the planetary parents. And this is where in the astrocartography map where you see two angular planets or placements really intersecting. And in that intersection, you can feel that throughout the whole latitude across that earth. Um, and obviously, you know, it kind of mirrors in terms of northern versus southern hemisphere. And then the last one is the local space local space horizon or the local space chart, um, which I feel like Alyssa um, has some really creative ways of actually working with that. So there's about five, like a five locational astrology tools. So astrocartography map, which is, you, you know, when you hear people call, I'm in my Venus line, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like and we're we'll talking take a look about at it. If you're watching the video version. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, yeah, so astrocartography map, relocated chart, the geodetic chart, planetary crossings or parents, and then local space horizon chart. 
I always like to say um, your relocated chart, basically what we're looking for, what we're looking at, because this is like the only thing I'll pull up a relocated chart in client sessions, um, but rarely am I looking at the map. Um, it's usually like, I'm thinking about moving to Berlin and I'll mm -hmm. be like, let's look at it. Um, <laughs> let's just see what's up. Um, but your relocated chart, I think very simply put is we're looking at the chart as if you were born in that exact same moment of time, but in a different part of the world. So you were born wherever you were born at that moment in time. If we could, in that split second that you were born, just beam you to another part of the world, we're looking at the chart for that that place. The time is the same. It might not be the same time in terms of, you know, the time zones might be different, but that moment in time is the same. That's why you have to, like, do a relocated chart and calculate it because, you know, a one one twenty p.m., in Philadelphia is going to be a different time. It's going to be 10, 20 a.m. in L.A. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're watching the video version on YouTube, one, please subscribe. Two, <laughs> click that subscribe I, button. <laughs> smash that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, I wanted to show how to pull up your um, – kind of all the different tools that you can use on astro.com. So there's mm -hmm. this website, astro.com, AKA Astro Deanced, and you can do a whole plethora of stuff here for free. So it's a great tool, but for now I'm going to show how to pull up your, um, your astro cartography map. We should start there, right? So what you want to do is go to astro.com. I would create a profile, just like log in or whatever. You want to hover over the free horoscopes tab. And then um, all the way, there's three columns. The right column, you want to go, um, sorry, I'm used to, I'm used to t telling people how to go to extended chart selection. We'll go there next. In the middle column, um, at the very bottom, there's a button called Astro Click Travel. You want to click that, and you'll see a map of the world come up with all these beautiful colored lines intersecting um, and running through it. So, Alyssa, do you want to describe what we're looking at? Yes. And so you see these different colored lines and they're rising, which means they are, you know, ascending and then they're falling, descending. And then you see these lines going up and down and they're culminating and anti-culminating. And so when those, those are the lines for your astrocartography, and so something Charm mentioned before is that there's also planetary parents. And so when you click a place, you know, you might get a line. And then on Astro Deanst, if you scroll a little bit up to the top more after you click a location. Wait, oh, here? Yeah. So you're going to be hitting show details mm -hmm. up there. Oh, okay. And then oh. you'll see oh. the parents that mm -hmm. are also contributing to your experience of the place. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
And Jim Lewis explained the that the planetary lines, like the astrocartography map, map lines, are definitely the more powerful influence. Um, but in comparison, the planetary crossings where the those lines intersect, um, of course, when you live near it, it's very powerful. But because the idea is that, for example, uh, on our screen right now, we can see that this is Ethiopia. You know, in this chart, actually, if you don't mind zooming in again, yeah, um, that Neptune, the purple Neptune DC line. Mm-hmm. is intersecting with Neptune the moon on the descendant uh, yeah neptune dc descendant line and the moon mc midheaven line intersect um somewhere there and in that latitude that's a combination that technically you would feel that throughout all around the world mm, and, and, and so that, and that if you live latitude. in that latitude, latitude sorry yeah. mm-hmm. and so the idea is that if you live near that crossing, of course, that's going to be really, you know, you're living near that planetary line and that crossing. But if you were away from that crossing, it's about a third in in strength or influence mm-hmm. is how Jim Lewis talked about it in terms of its influence. So definitely for, you know, as consulting astrologers, you sort of prioritize like what you talk about in a way. So the planetary lines definitely kind of take more precedent in terms of talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, but then, yeah, the in a way, when people actually move where there are no planetary lines, which sometimes can be the goal, because mm-hmm. the idea is that these lines, regardless of how you like them or not in your chart, they become really loud and prominent. And so sometimes actually moving away from a line is one of the reasons people also you know, consider places. <laughs> it's it's a really big reason for me. If you can see on the screen, this is my Mercury MC line. Yeah. This is where I was born. So I was very, and this you is where I was it. actually living when oh, yeah, I was you, born. You, like you, this you is probably, where I went from the hot, from the hospital to here. Yeah. So I've, and I've lived here my whole life. Like this is, this is where I lived my first 18 years of living. And then I just moved um, up to New York, which is not very far from mm. that line either. Um, so, and actually, keep it on that screen. I, I mm-hmm. wanted to say something about that. Is that um, I'll just finish the point with the planetary crossing. It's like if someone moved where there's no planetary lines, the crossings then might be really relevant in terms of that location. Mm. Um, but the one you just showed here where you were born east of the line versus you moved west of the line, right. that's actually really interesting in terms of the house placement. So, you know, m- most of the time because of this, this system is like usually using like a quadrant house system where you think of the MC as the 10th house. And so you being born east of the line meant that you were in the, you know, sort of like in the ninth house. Mm-hmm. But then when you moved west of the line, you end up in the 10th house. And this is where the relocated chart become really, you know, just kind of easier to to be able to see that. That um, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it. I was just really, I was in a Mercury year, my fourth house Mercury year. And I was so overwhelmed. And I was just like, I cannot live. And I cannot live on this line anymore. Like, I have to move off of this line. <laughs> and so I drove across the country. I have a really funny story about um, 
Amarillo, Texas, where my Mars line is, where we stopped there on a Tuesday. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like right there. It was. We literally stopped at this Mexican restaurant that was like a red, um, red stucco building or like red clay or something um, and got like just like our – like we got like tacos or something and we opened it up because we ate in the car and it's just like filled with meat. There's just like meat all over. Mm. <laughs> like I got, I got fish, but it looked like it didn't look like fish. It was just like so much meat and it mm. didn't have much flavor. <laughs> it was just so Martian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was so hot. It was smoldering hot. It was like wow, over a hundred degrees. I remember Moses did say that as soon as you're crossing over a line, it's, it's active right away because I I've ever since I started paying attention, I remember when I was going back to Asia, just kind of had my astrocartography map in front of me. As soon as as soon as um, uh, the plane crossed my Chiron line, it was my first time being called for an emergency medical. Um, wow. You know, there was in in the plane they were asking for any medical professionals, and in all my times of traveling, that was the first time I had to like. <laughs> show up and be like, yes, I am. And no one else did. It was a huge plane. And I was like, wow. I can't believe I'm the only medical person in this yeah, plane right now. Nice enough to get up. Yeah. And I had, and it was an interesting experience because I had to help um, someone who was speaking a dialect. Um, she was from China. And then a Chinese person also who speaks Cantonese. So there was three different languages that were being mm. spoken, trying to kind of help each other translate it was really difficult um it felt very like a chiron experience but i was like oh wow that was totally me crossing my chiron line so it was just like active right away that is wild wow that is such a cool story um yeah okay so i just wanted to show those who are watching the video version um that i'm now living in los angeles pretty close to my neptune ascendant line which kind of goes through like Santa Barbara, like a little north of Santa Barbara. Um, and I've definitely driven up there before. Um, but yeah, so I'm basically off of those super angular, mer- you know, detrimented Mercury and Jupiter lines and just a little bit more comfortable over here and a little bit more, you know, stoned all the time. And <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm not joking, but, um, you know, I'm just kind of, just in in a different space here in, in La La Land. Um, so yeah, I wanted to show that. And then I think we should also show how to get to um, the relocated chart, right? So you can do that in astro.com as well. Just go to free horoscopes again. You hover over that. You go to the third column this time, um, which is, yeah, the third column. And you want to go to extended chart selection. So this will take you to the extended chart selection page. What you want to do is go to um, chart drawing style, right? Or chart type. Chart type. Chart type. Um, scroll all the way down. There's a couple of under under chart. Uh, sorry, under other charts. There's a relocation chart, and you can click that. The next thing that you want to do before you click show chart is. Um, go under default settings and which is 
under it's like kind of two sections underneath um the section the section setting section there's a section section yeah um <laughs> um under that is the houses and then you go to default settings you want to change the reference place to wherever you want to relocate that chart to so i had already changed mine from my birth location to my current um my current location los angeles california and then we can just click to show the chart and that will pull up the relocated. Alyssa, what house system do you use when you look at um, a relocated chart? So I use whole sign houses. I know that most people like kind of like in the locational astrology field use porphyry, but mm-hmm. I work with the planetary joys and they really hit. So tell us more about that. Yeah. I remember you talking about it. I'd love to hear more. Please. Sure. <laughs> um, so when I'm doing relocated charts, something that has, I mean, as people who do client work, I feel like our clients teach us lessons <laughs> that we're supposed to be learning. And 100%. so when I do a, like a relocation reading or when I've been playing with it, I'm like, what places are calling to you? And a lot of people have said like this random spot I've never been to. And I kept on finding Venus in the fifth, Venus in her joy. And I'm like, there has to be something here. And I've been pulling charts where like struggling, struggling planets have a little bit more to work with in the house placement. Mm -hmm. And it's, been really really great um you know i've i've been putting like for saturn returns like saturn in the 12th and you know just giving those harder placements a little a little bit of help i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i wish you know if the if the astro software gods are listening i would love (laughs) Love, love, love an astrocartography map showing the planets and their joy um, alongside the angular maps. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yes, I love that. That makes so much sense. And I feel like what you just shared is another one of those examples of that. You don't necessarily always need to or have to move to an angular line. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of the example of Venus in the fifth, that's not an angular Venus, but that's a happy Venus in the it's fifth a, house. Dude, I mean, I love that you pulled up that example, that you brought up that example because me moving from the East Coast to the West Coast makes my eighth house Venus, now a 10th house Venus. Um, and I remember when I came to visit here like a couple years ago, when I was first thinking about moving here in like 2018, um, I just kept getting complimented everywhere. I, and, you know, now I live here during pandemic time, so I'm not everywhere. But I remember being out to brunch just by myself and sitting on the sidewalk eating, like, at a little at a little table. And people just kept complimenting me and, like, walking by and being like, wow, I love your hair. I love your style. Your whole vibe is just, like – and I'm just, like, literally just eating eggs, like <laughs> – chilling but my venus um became more visible and you know it's like in a dark house on the and natally but um yeah in california it's just and i've been doing a lot more venus work actually 
hopefully my room's not on fire because I have a bunch of Venus candles lit right now. <laughs> mm. I, I have a question for you, Kira, because one of, one of the ways we look at the relocated chart too is like looking at what, you know, what is the natal story or the natal house that's being brought into prominence and visibility. So in your experience with the natal Venus in the eighth house and having it be more visible there, have you found any kind of correlation to how like some eighth house things have propped up more mm -hmm. visibly for you there? Yeah. Um, that's, so, that's such a funny thing to think about. I mean, I just feel like maybe not eighth house themes so much. And I've only been here since like August. Um, but I just would say that like me working on my eighth house stuff, working on my Venus, working mm. with Venus has just become a lot. Yeah. I've just been doing that more. Um, mm. what the first thing that came to mind when you said that was just like private social media accounts Mm. <laughs> that I have that like where Sleuthing. I post like yeah I post more like you know not full nudes but like I'll do nice. a little bit more of like you know sexy Venus things on these like private accounts mm. um that it's just that feels more like my eighth house Venus coming to the 10th like totally you know that's out there now <laughs> it's not, not you guys cannot find them but <laughs> it's out there um so yeah that's something that came to mind um, and just using Alyssa's example about like a place that I've been called to where my Venus would be in the fifth house, my, you know, Venus and Libra would be in the fifth house is Portugal and Lisbon. And, um, I'm planning if, if, you know, if I'm able to planning to take kind of like a Euro trip next year, um, and spend a couple months in Europe and I'm going to kick it off in Lisbon. Um, and I have been there before and it's like a, it's a Mercury descendant line for me. Um, but yeah, I would put my Venus in the eighth and I mean, sorry, in the fifth. And when I did go there, I was just there for work for like five, maybe four days and I was kind of sick the whole time. But what I did see, I loved. And I just remember being like, I have to come back here. Like, I love this. I love this little city. It's not a little city, but you know. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to go hang out there and and see what happens over there. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of ways to give the planets comfort and strength. And so another technique I've been working with is a Vedic concept called Digbala, which is planetary strength. And so in in here, there's the sun and Mars. They're like they like being on the midheaven. Um, Jupiter and Mercury like being on the ascendant, Saturn in the seventh, Venus and the moon like being in the fourth. And when I moved to my Saturn line, which the books kind of tell you not to do, I had a great time on my Saturn line. My Saturn is in its domicile. It was given more strength. I feel like before Jupiter was angular for me and Jupiter was driving my life like a car in GTA just like crashing into shit and like oh. running around and so giving Saturn a little bit more strength mm. that that really really helped me out and just helped me personally kind of like embody the Saturn return in a way that I felt um had like had a little bit more of a benefit um, and helped like 
my natal promise, like Saturn in the sixth, mm-hmm. get some get some happiness. <laughs> I really like that you mentioned that because I feel like that's one way people can utilize and apply locational astrology is like depend, you know, like Saturn return is a big cycle that people arrive at at specific ages. And then people can really plan out these times of their life and looking at locational where you could potentially spend it and maybe have a, a more intimate time with Saturn in a way, like sort of do your your Saturn work. Um, and actually speaking of Saturn, um, Alyssa, I'm really curious about what, what you mentioned um, during the intro about the ancestry lines. Like I really love the way you talked about just like integrating that part of your history in terms of where you live. Like, um, and it's something I have heard from from your clients too. And I was so excited that we're here today because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get to hear about <laughs> Bef- the, the ancestral work. That, before we get into that, I Sorry, realized we didn't really, no, no, no. I'm, I'm realizing because I'm so excited to get into it, all of it. <laughs> but I'm realizing we didn't really do, probably didn't do too good of a job in really explaining like what the lines are and um and like what it means to be on a line or west of a line or east of a line. So I kind of want to go back to that and then we can, because I definitely want to get into that. Um, maybe I'll share my screen again, just so we have a visual of what we're talking about one more time. But um, yeah, can someone, uh, anyone kind of go into like what it means to um, like what these lines are, <laughs> what it means to, to live on one of them. Um, yeah. Do you want to do it, Alyssa? I can. (laughs) (laughs) So when you live on a line, it means that that line is a planet that is hitting one of your angles. And so what Kira is showing right now is a Mercury mid-heaven line. And, you know, the planet's rise they fall they culminate they you know when you look at this astral cartography map you're seeing how the planets move over or a projection of how the planets are rising and descending on the map and so when we're talking about east versus west of a line that planet can you know it's aspecting it's still aspecting those places but they can be either cadent or angular. So east of a line is cadent. A west of a line is angular if you're using a quadrant house system. And with these lines, you have an orb of about, I use an orb of 300 miles. Um, Jim is like fast and loose with, uh, what he names as an orb in here. And so like, I just personally use that. It's not, it's not like doctrine when we're using this mm-hmm. technique. And I use the zodiacal degree equivalent because I am, I'm, I'm geographically, I just cannot imagine what 300 miles look like, <laughs> even if you could measure it on the screen. So um, zodiacally, at least I, I know Sam Reynolds talks about five degrees as still, you know, a planet conjoined an angle mm-hmm. um, as like that's a line, that's a strong line. Um, but Moses Siregard uses eight degree orbs. Um, so I have been I have been using eight degrees as an orb um, zodiacally. Cool. 
This is where I want to I want to go to this summer. I want to go to my sun line on my sun year. Um, Mexico City. <laughs> it's actually way closer. To, like if I pull up my relocated chart from Mexico City, it's like an exact sun line. Yeah, um, and the sun, sun loves being on the mid heaven. So yeah. I think you should go. I really want to go. I just need to find someone to go with. <laughs> and speaking speaking of that, actually, the east and west of line, in some ways, depending on the angle, some some of them are a little bit easier than others. So for example, mm-hmm. like the MC lines, if you're east of a line, it lands on the ninth. Um, as opposed to if you're east of an ascendant line, it lands in the 12th house. So that's mm-hmm. something to consider, like the difference of, you know, like in a way like a cadent ninth house is definitely in, at least in terms of the significations of that house is a bit easier to deal with than a 12th house, for example. Right. Um, and so what this, if I were to say move to Mexico City or just go there um, where my sun midheaven line is, what that means is that if my chart, if, if my chart were, if I were to be born in Mexico City, mm-hmm. the sun would have been exactly on the midheaven, like culminating. culminating at the top of the sky, super, you know, high noon basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born at 1.20 p.m. So, you know, when the sun was pretty much up there, but um, my natal chart, it's in the ninth house. So moving just a little bit west, um, closer to that sun midheaven line. Um, and what that will look like, so, you know, I have a Scorpio sun, um, you know, for the sun to be on the midheaven, that I would I would think would probably be good for career stuff for me or just to be seen in general. I'd probably be, I, w- I would imagine when I'm there, it'd probably be very n- noticed. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, probably be really good for like, I probably take some really hot photos there or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else would you say about like moving to your sun mid heaven line, for example? I think with like the sun mid heaven, like when I saw this as a vacation, I'm like, oh, you're going to be sunbathing. Like you're mm-hmm. going to be out there. Like <laughs> soaking yeah. it in. I think it depends on the natal placement right and so if you have sun and aries and your sun is exalted it's gonna you're gonna be noticed and it's gonna be like really kind of like easy for you to kind of take in that attention mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i have a sun in aquarius and mm-hmm. when i was on my sun line i loved attention i also needed breaks and so mm-hmm. The sunline is great for getting noticed. It's great for doing things that like reaffirm your identity. And so if we're going to be like, like, I always think of like putting on body glitter and like running around outside during pride as like a, (laughs) (laughs) a very like sun mid heaven or like sun line activity, which I have done on my sun line. And was I very love fun. that. Hell yeah. I feel like um, that's so great. I love that you took it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we miss, we miss having to gather. Um, so I, and that's, that's perfect. I feel like this is actually a really good exercise to think a lot about 
the natal promise in some way. Because when we move to a planetary line, you get to, I, I have found, you get to really experience that planet on an archetypal level. And in some way, aside from what it means for you natally, so, you know, being a Scorpio sun, natally it's in the ninth house. As an astrologer, technically this is a promising place for your career, right? Because you're moving that like ninth house sun um, to your midheaven. So there's there's like, in a way, like more visibility in terms of your astrology work, as well as when I think of experiences that are a lot more external or objective or in potentially you meet very solar like people as well and you experience like solar like relationships especially maybe with people who are very visible prominent authority figures because those are what we think of in terms of the midheaven um, or you come across people who kind of embody that sun midheaven kind of quality about them because I often think of also the midheaven as like the aspirational self as opposed to the ascendant as like the self and so you might sort of like really experience a lot of like solar principles so you know, like, I guess solar type folks are like, yeah, very shiny, um, very <laughs> warm and generous. Um, in some, I guess in some spaces, they can be like wealthy and rich, right? Like when I think of royalty. Um, and in general, too, I think um, when we think of the sun as uh, it's the spirit, it's the will. So there's there's those kind of really traditional significations as well that you can really kind of imagine how that could be like in that place. Awesome. So um, part of this means like I wouldn't kind of getting to the dignity discussion, but um, you know, a line that I probably would not want to move to is my Mars midheaven line or any mars line really um <laughs> because and you know my my son and my mars are pretty closely conjunct too um by like three degrees so i would want to stay closer to my sun line and not go over to my mars line particularly because i was born in the daytime and therefore mm. my mars is an out of sect or contrary to the sect malefic and therefore can manifest as more challenging as opposed to say my Saturn line, which um, I have a Saturn line that goes through Sydney, Australia. And I've always wanted, always wanted to go there. And I really, really considered um, moving there for a while when I was younger. And, you know, I still want to visit, but I have this Saturn IC line going there. And, you know, I have you know, my, the, the person who edits this podcast lives in Sydney, <laughs> um, friend of the pod who's been on a couple of times, um, Scarlett Coote also lives in mm -hmm. Sydney. So I've always had friends from Australia, sp specifically Sydney. Um, and, you know, Saturn does rule my 11th house of friends. But um, yeah, I, I would much more consider moving to a Saturn line um, because of the, you know, my Saturn is, is less um, difficult to work with than say a Mars line, which is like part of the reason why I don't think I'm ever going to go to India <laughs> because my Mars and Pluto lines and sun line runs straight through the country. Um, so yeah, that's maybe we should kind of talk a little bit about um, have a little bit of the dignity discussion, because I think that's a really important part of all of this is that you don't, you know, you don't want to move to, 
any line just because, just because, you know, even if you do have a very dignified Mars, such as I do, um, just because it's dignified by sign doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the most auspicious or constructive place to work, um, to move to or to visit. Um, so yeah, do, do you guys, does anyone want to get started by talking about like what that, what we mean by that? I mean, Charm just did an amazing, um, webinar for us at Fresh Voices, um, just last week about, about this topic in particular. So Charm, do you want to, do you want to get started? Yeah, I think what you, what you illustrated actually about your sun line in that, uh, map, that is conjoined Pluto and Mars in your chart, Kira, is actually a good point to think about because depending on how someone's birth chart is like, you you almost cannot isolate planets because then it would really depend on their relationship with other planets. So in a way, if you are born with a Sun-Mars conjunction, anytime you're following that Sun line, you're technically also following Mars. Um, in the presentation I did for Fresh Voices, I used Jungkook's chart. Um, he has a very close Venus Saturn opposition in his chart and he um if he was to follow his Venus line he has a Venus in Libra in the first natally which is like you know really nice but then he has a Saturn Aries um closely opposing it um and so in a way if, if he was to follow his Venus line everywhere he's technically also following a Saturn line because that 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 relationship will always remain the same. So what we're trying to say is that not all, you know, not necessarily all Venus or Jupiter lines are always necessarily good or like that all Mars and Saturn lines are bad. Um, I would say like the outer planets is probably a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, but I do recommend people to um, look at what are the natal conditions of the planets. And you can determine this through different ways, definitely looking at your sect. So are you a day chart or a night chart? Um, essential dignity is definitely like at the heart of assessing planetary conditions. So that's when we talk about planets being in particular zodiacal signs as having more you know, sort of strength or struggle. Um, the natal house placement is also something to consider, um, as well as the aspects, you know, the aspects that planets have um, with either the benefics or the malefics, and as well as solar phases, like in terms of, is this planet a retrograde planet? Is it, you know, combust or under the sun's beams? In a way, this is where in a lot of people's training and education in astrology can become really applicable in this kind of astrology where if people already know you know for example essential dignity is something people um, get to learn uh, if they start studying like traditional astrology and even sometimes in modern astrology they do talk about essential dignity a little bit is that you get to understand these concepts and how does it apply um, in locational astrology so i just pulled up my um my relocated chart for mexico city just to illustrate what it would look like you know from from looking at the map to looking at it as a chart um, and you can see it's like my sun midheaven line there. It's pretty much like exactly on there. And it puts my sun in the 10th house, um, both quadrant and whole sign. And 
it keeps my it keeps my Pluto and my Mars over in the ninth house. So yeah, I, that's just to illustrate what that looks like, and also to show that like you know you can't we can't get away from that Mars. <laughs> and I think also it's important to know that like okay, just because I'm moving to um, a Sun Midheaven line, which sounds really great, like what else is what else is moving in my chart? What else kind of becomes angular? Um, I don't have anything kind of angular to that Sun, but it does make me an Aquarius rising with Saturn in the first house. It kind of moves my, my sect light into the eighth house and, you know, it moves things around a little bit. Um, I'm still really obsessed with this and like really want to go <laughs> see what it's like. But what I will say is last time I was on a sun, um, maybe I'll just look at it. I think I was in Austin, Texas. Um, and I think that was, yeah. So I was, very close to my to my sun midheaven line in Austin, Texas as well, but the sun was on the ninth house side of it. Um, I was there for work, but I I remember I had really good sex basically like <laughs> <laughs> with this guy that like I kind of used to work with. Um, and yeah, I remember being like, oh, this is what the sun line's all about. I love this. And there's this feeling of like when whenever my Scorpio stuff comes like, activated or there's like a tra- like Mars and Scorpio transits through or something like that. There's this like, re- like reminder of like, Oh yeah, I'm a fucking Scorpio. Like I'm powerful. And I felt that way in Austin. I felt like, Oh yeah. Like I felt that powerful, like, you know, that Martian in domicile influence that, you know, sometimes I get in mutable land and I'm just like detrimented Sally over here. <laughs> <laughs> and I forget I have like, you know, the very domiciled Mars. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to going to that sunline again, hopefully in Mexico this time and seeing what it's like. I'm definitely going to report back. So, <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, Alyssa. Yeah, I just feel like planetary condition is super important because like if you had like a six house Mars, Kira, I might move you to the Saturn Midheaven line because, like, you might want to experience, like, that sixth house Mars, like, being really seen for work, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, sect and dignity play a role. And, like, you also have to be, if you're going to be using this as an astrological tool, there is no perfect like house placement right so like the chart is going to shout out the good things about that placement you're also gonna have some of the challenges right like you know if that mars is afflicted by aspect in any kind of way you're going to be working through that affliction as well Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah that's a good that's a good point it's just I I wonder a lot about like moving back, to, like moving to a Jupiter line, for instance, like I'm hoping to visit it next year in Italy. I have a Jupiter IC line that kind of goes through Italy, but it is like a detrimented Jupiter. And I'm really curious what that's going to be like, um, as opposed to maybe moving to one of my domiciled planets lines. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, I meet someone from Ethiopia or something. So I have this, this Venus um, moon opposition that in Ethiopia, they kind of all come together. 
Mm. And I'm like, of course, I love Ethiopian food. And this is something I wanted to bring up, actually, um, that Jen Zart brought up in her lecture about this at Norwalk 2020, which is that sometimes it just looks like attracting people or being attracted to a culture or being attracted to a food of that place um, where you have particular lines. And I'm like, I fucking die for Ethiopian food. Like, makes sense. And it's also, you know, I'm not Ethiopian, but I get asked very often if I am. Um, and yeah, I've always, it's just like one of those things where I'm like, huh, I, I want to see what it's like to go there because um, I feel so connected to, you know, th that, that land and like that culture, even the, that food. Um, and yeah, I just, I love that. I, I, have you guys had any experience with that? Like, um, I'm just thinking about like, I love Indian food too. And I have like my Sun Mars Pluto lines going through India. <laughs> I have a lot to say on this actually, because I feel like locational astrology has actually helped me like understand and refine my politics on like relationships and cultural appropriation. Because what I've learned through locational is that it's I feel like the lines don't show them show up as much as like a surface level like I like this thing because like I feel like it it just hasn't manifested for me that way um but I think like the experience of the restaurant right like the people you're talking to in the restaurant the art that's up in the restaurant like it's the music that's right playing, the ambiance yeah and so it's what I've seen is like, you know, looking at the lines and I have a lot of my friends are immigrants. A lot of my friends are from different places, like understanding that I've learned about that planet through our friendship and through our relationship and like understanding them on a deeper level and like how that place has informed their understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, you know, interacting with that culture, I realize that like developing a deep relationship to it, understanding the history of re resistance and understanding why, like how how that culture has been shaped mm -hmm. instead of just like wearing it or mm -hmm. parading it around has been a way for me to like, be like, Oh, like this is the difference between appreciation and appropriation mm -hmm. and has just helped my politics. It's weird to think about astrology supporting our political journeys, but that's just how it's happened for me. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes so much sense. And that was one of my inspiration for my presentation with the Visionary Astrology Conference is that as I've been learning locational astrology since 2019, I was getting really frustrated by a lot of the lens with which it is taught, uh, which is really steeped in I think for lack of a better word, like just not a lot of understanding of how even like colonialism and neocolonialism, you know, in terms of the context of tourism and how that really kind of trickles down to people's mobility and people's ability um, to be able to move around depending on, 
you know, like, I guess where they're coming from. So this is where like, even concept of citizenship comes in, right? Like, depending on what kind of passport you carry, kind of determines really how you're able to move around in the world. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, I, I was curious about how we could... Um, I guess, reframe or even have better creative utility of locational astrology, not just out of, um, you know, not just always from a place of, oh, exploration mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, enjoyment, but also like what you mentioned, Alyssa, how like our relationships has enriched even our own understanding of our own politics, for example, is really complicated because it's really, there's, it's it's really hard to, I feel like this is one of those ongoing commitment that people would have to have around how we take up space and, and you know, like even thinking about, um, I was thinking about in Philippines, for example, how um, it's a product of like neocolonialism where in the tourism industry is something that a lot of the local people rely on, but at the same time on a global scale, it's really like, really awful in terms of how it creates a dynamic between the, you know, sort of like, I would say, like the Western world's access to like more of, you know, sort of like the, the divide of the the developing and the developed world, like on that global scale, it creates mm -hmm. this really like power dynamics um, among people. And so it's interesting to bring this up, like around our own exploration of our planetary lines mm -hmm. and what that means. And um, I don't have a lot of solution other than people really have to continue educating ourselves. And we had this conversation before we started recording about teachers and how, yes, you can learn the astrological techniques, but I feel like part of continuing this practice is you have to continue maybe some kind of decolonial education for example i know Alyssa, you had some some things to say about that i mean i i just love being your co colleague charm <laughs> you know like <laughs> you're so wonderful and you know as you were talking i was also thinking about my own experience as being a movement worker traveling all over the country and seeing the country through the eyes of people like me who are working class and not seeing it as a tourist you know like i was working a lot of the time and seeing how the hospitality industry you know understanding that if I'm going to a hotel and there's a strike, I don't cross the picket line. If there's an ongoing struggle against Airbnb, I'm going to not book an Airbnb in solidarity with the workers who are fighting against, you know, Airbnb as a corporation um, or, you know, little things like making sure I tip my housekeeper and making sure that I'm like redistributing wealth, mm -hmm. even if, you know, in theory, we're supposed to be taking a break on vacation because I also think that capitalism works us so hard that sometimes people travel and they feel like they can do whatever the hell they want because they've earned it mm -hmm. instead of being in relationship and in solidarity and learning about the place you're traveling to and what people are asking for and what people need because. You know, on one hand, I think 
we can get in the trap of being like the perfect activist and feeling super guilty for even wanting a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, there are things that we can do and places that we can join in to like help us have a relationship to the place that is in integrity with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah, it's a very complicated process, I think, at least for people who are wanting to unpack these these things about how we move in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I love that we brought that to that conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, another thing to kind of piggyback off of that is, um, you know, people coming, people from a certain place where you have lines kind of coming into your life. Um, and I've seen, that's something Jen, Jen Zart brought up um, in her lecture. And it's something I've kind of just noticed and seen um, through other people and, you know, not so much clients, but certainly just through other astro friends. Have you guys had any of that or um, experienced any of that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I find like in terms of the delineation part, at least from from client work, I have been, I feel like I'm definitely in the, the part where I'm collecting data, even though I don't have like a very structured way of collecting data. It's all in my brain. But um, I'm really thinking a lot about how relationships show up um, or the kinds of people that show up in people's lives, uh, depending on where they relocate. And that sometimes, and I think that's what like I really got out of studying a bit more traditional techniques is that some of the ways our chart shows up is not always the most personalized or is not the most subjective manifestation, but actually a lot of what happens around us and the kinds of people we end up interacting with. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. I think so. Yeah. Um, Melissa, do you have something to add? Yeah. I mean... One of the reasons I felt grief when I first read the chart is I also thought about like all the people in my hometown who have kind of been like fed like the lies of xenophobia, like we should be afraid of people who are immigrants and how much they're losing out on like not having friends or, you know, people in their lives that are different from them and the planetary relationships that come along with that, you know, they're only... And so, like, when I looked at my friends' charts, we did this really fun thing when I first learned it. And I was like, you're here on my chart. You're here on my chart. You're my moon. You're my Venus. (laughs) You know, like, and we would talk about, you know, kind of in a cute way, like, you're my planet friend. So that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really sweet. And actually, speaking of uh, um, like the planetary condition conversation, is that in in many ways, like doing the assessment is like a part of the process. And I feel like the gift of our time is that we get to reframe a lot of what does it mean to have a detriment, you know, Jupiter in detriment or Jupiter in exile. And in a way, when you move to a line where it highlights like maybe a part of your chart that is difficult, like you you get an opportunity in a way perhaps to like build a relationship with that planet in your chart or even like kind of really get to know um, 
what does this, how has your experiences been with this planet as well, um, you know, up until this life? And, you know, how could you reframe or re- even like maybe remediate? I know that's an official term. Um, moving forward, you know, this relationship with this hard planet, for example. Um, awesome. Well, something that we haven't talked about yet that I want to get into is local space. Um, And I know, Alyssa, you do more of this than Charm does. um, And I've only had brief introductions to what it is, I think mostly through Jen's Arts Lecture. Um, But yeah, do you want to kind of break down what it even is? I'm going to, as you do that, I'm going to, well, actually, real quick, let me just show folks how to pull that up. Um, mm-hmm. on astro.com. So there's two ways you can look at the local space kind of like interactive chart and then you can look at, you can kind of look at your local space chart, which I printed out. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to look at it. But basically you want to go back to the free horoscopes um, tab, <laughs> um, hover over that. In the third column, the first um, button on the top, on the top right in the third column. And this is your astro click local space lines. Um, and what you'll be looking at is um, sort of like a, a you're here, like this is where you are. What is it called? Like a pin or like a kind of like a locational um, icon that shows like where you were born and then like colored lines sort of radiating out from that point. So Alyssa, do you want to, explain local space and sort of describe what we're seeing? Absolutely. So local space was created by Michael Irwine in the 1970s and has been used to talk about kind of like our, how the planets feel in like at the heart of things. So this is more less about like your outside interactions and more about kind of like the home and how you're feeling internally. And so I've been using local space to help my clients redecorate their rooms and to kind of like give honor to the planets in their day-to-day lives. And so like, for instance, you know, I've had, I've consulted with, folks who have had like Saturn be really, really loud by transit. And so by kind of like shifting the way their rooms are or the way, you know, the way they're experiencing like kind of like their everyday life in the house, I can remediate through shifting around the space and kind of like, giving something to Saturn, but maybe emphasizing like Jupiter or Venus or using, using the directions of those local space lines to give voice to the planets. And I think also on a technical level, this is the part where I personally have difficulty explaining, but I'm going to attempt, um, is that uh, the local space map that we're looking at currently is a projection of the horizon. So Sam Reynolds thinks about local space as more um, 
more locational, whereas astrocartography is more directional. Or maybe I have it mixed. <laughs> I have to no, check you're my right, notes. Charm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, but uh, so in a way, this is actually different from the astrocartography map. Um, and um, I love how you've been using it, um, Alyssa, in terms of uh, helping your clients. Yeah. So how would you even do that? Like, what are we looking? So what we're looking at basically is what is as if we were looking the way I've, I've understood it is if like, you know, you're in a space and you can sort of orient yourself, um, you know, 360 in a space to sort of like pick up a particular line. Is that sort of Yes. what we're looking at so like yeah. in the room i'm in i could like kind of drop a coordinate here and say okay venus is this way and kind of turn towards the venus line and maybe put a venus altar there is, is that sort of what you mean it's literally a planetary compass of your chart basically mm. cool so you're looking at like, um, I guess when you show how to pull up a local space chart, you can actually use that chart as the kind of compass, literally like as you would orient yourself in the cardinal directions, like the north, mm. south, east, west, um, yeah. literally. Let me show you all how to pull that up if you're watching the video version. Um, you would go back to extended chart selection, which is, again, hover over free horoscopes, the third column on the right. Um, there's an extended chart selection link. You would go there. And similarly, you're going to go to chart type, um, scroll to the bottom, and there's a local space chart. If you are, if you moved like I have, you might want to look at your local space relocation chart. Um, which is what I'm going to pull up. And um, yeah, that basically gives you the the um, the little compass that we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, these directions. And so the way you can maybe use it con like like in your space is like, say you have a schematic, you're going to overlay that chart based on the directions on the schematic of your place. And that might be helpful if like, you're like, where the hell do I put a Jupiter altar? Right. Um, and I also have used this on myself, you know, like I was having a lot of <laughs> issues with getting started on writing. And then I made a little nook, a creative nook where I'm working with my Mars, the direction of my Mars. And it's helped me immensely in just like staying focused and mm -hmm. having the energy and wherewithal to <laughs> do these things. And so there's a lot of different ways you can apply it. Yeah, I feel like there's so much magical slash mundane opportunities to apply local space. And in a way, like it can, you can really zoom out, you know, like you, you do this in terms of your home, but then you can also zoom out in terms of, oh yeah, anytime you go due west in your little, in your local community, you're essentially following your Jupiter line in terms mm -hmm. of looking at the chart that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Or that if you're moving because um, we're in the northern hemisphere, the midheaven is always due south. But if you're sort of moving northeast, you're moving through your moon line. And, you know, mm -hmm. the opposite is the Venus line. So it's interesting also to, I guess, explore your own relationship to your local community using local space. Yeah, I feel like the thing that everyone wants to know when we're doing astrolocality is like, 
how am I gonna find my true love? The love and of my please life. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sometimes I'll suggest, um, depending on you know, even the bound ruler of like a planetary placement. So like, you know, it might not be your Venus line, you know, if the bound ruler of your Venus is like Mars, I might put you towards Mars and I'll be like, mm. go to a bar in that direction mm. or <laughs> like go to the park, like find a social thing there. And maybe, you know, like, like that direction might hit the spot in terms of the materiality of finding mm. what you're looking for on that line. I can I can picture people taking notes. I know. Like- I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go to my Mercury line then. <laughs> Southeast. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I want to like give a shout out specifically to Jen's art for kind of like making me re rethink of the bounds, like mm. using the bounds in locational astrology and for folks who are kind of new to this part of essential dignity, the bounds describe how shit gets done. And so the bounds mm, are when a sign is like split into five sections and they're all ruled by a traditional planet. And, you know, if your Venus is in the bounds of a specific planet, that that other planet is going to help you manifest or I feel like manifesting is so loaded, but like <laughs> it's gonna help you get from point A to point B. It gets shit done, like you said. It, yeah, I love that like the, so much. It's the manager, cooking, like the production manager. Oh, it's yeah. cooking things in my head. Um, and I love your example about the bar on that direction because when I think of bound rulerships too, I think of a lot of. Um, uh, no, I'm mixing it with triplicity. I apologize. I take that back because mm. I was thinking of triplicity rulers as, you know, sort of um, access to associations or connections. Um, but that's not bound rulerships. <laughs> yeah. I mean, triplicity, like all, all these levels of essential dignity help us have nuance in the way we would approach this, right? And so, you know, the triplicity ruler might manifest as like a wingman, <laughs> you mm. know, like a friend who's going to introduce you to a whole bunch of places and maybe they're from one of those lines and like they correspond with that planet. I really think like, you know, like please don't be looking for people <laughs> of a specific ethnicity or race based on the planet. <laughs> Right, but right. what not to do? <laughs> yeah, what how not to use this? But I do think that you know, like when you look at your relationships, or at least for me, when I started like really, really digging deep and looking at my relationships and looking at the charts of the people around me, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like you brought me to this party, and we went to this party, and you introduced me to everyone, and then. I like went home with this person and it was really great, but like you were the triplicity ruler. You were the triplicity, yeah, ruler of the sect in favor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a fan of that long phrase. (laughs) Oh, we are such trad chads. (laughs) We're just nerds. We're just such astro nerds. Um, Anything else about local space that's coming up for you guys? Or, yeah, anything about local space? I'll start there. <laughs> I'm excited to play around with it for sure. I'm excited to to use that 
um, maybe I should go because my my seventh house lord is Mercury in its own terms, and my Venus is also in the terms of Mercury. So mm. I'm sort of like, let me follow that that Mercury local space line, see what it, where it takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of just wanted to to see if you guys had any other, you know, cool astro cartography, astro location, whatever, like stories or experiences or any other antidotes to share? I think like it's gonna, when folks like are looking this up, they're gonna be like disappointed (laughs) if they see a line in the ocean. Everyone has lines in the ocean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it does not mean that it is doom and gloom if your Venus line is in the ocean. Your Venus has a bound ruler. Your Venus, you know, is has parents across the whole chart. And so I, I think, you know, in terms of importance, like the lines are important, but there's other ways to find what you're looking for instead of like the straightforward just up and down. Mm-hmm. That's a good and point. that also, um, yes, Venus is the sort of the significator of relationships, but also in your birth chart, it could be like your fifth house and seventh house ruler. Uh, so that could be a completely different planet. So you have options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're not stuck with just Venus, like what you're saying about checking out the bound rulers. Um, I mean, I don't have any story, but that uh, looking forward, I am on in the process of moving to the West Coast, um, to Vancouver Island. And it, because it, I'm, I'm trying to move away from my Mars IC mm-hmm. line. And I, what I'm anticipating is that I'm moving where my moon will become angular. Um, it would be like a moon descendant line, as well as actually it will also be my sun MC line. Mm. Um, so, which would be a very interesting experience for me because my luminaries in my chart are actually in dark houses. So um, then they become visible um, there. And when I think about a lot of the family heartbreak and, you know, sort of grief that I've experienced where I am currently. And when I think of my moon and I think of the luminaries a lot as also relating to like lineage and family of origin stories in how um, in my birth chart, at least my moon is one of the most like in terms of planetary condition is one of the most beat up uh, planets in my chart that I imagine myself actually doing a lot of probably emotional and healing work um, in relation to all the Mars I see experiences I've had here. Um, So that's something I'm anticipating. I don't have stories yet, but I'm sure I will um, at some Mm. point. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited for you to get out West and to, yeah, see how it is for you. Yeah. I have one story of going to London and, um, tr- on the flight, traveling all over the lines and like crying on one of the lines, like one of the, like the Chiron line when I passed over it. And I always cry on that flight on transatlantic <laughs> flights. <laughs> but when I arrived into London, you know, like my 12th house moon all of a sudden became angular and mm it was a lot of healing experiences from other people. And so my family is kind of fragmented in the States. And Mm -hmm. then I 
had like wonderful family experiences and was super shocked and was like, Mm. like, this is, this is what this placement means. It helped me kind of like untangle the moon from all of the aspect. It's one of the most aspected planets in my chart. And so it helped me like isolate the moon and be like, okay, this is what you're about. This is your needs. Another fun thing is when the ascendant shifts. So I went from a Leo rising to a Libra rising and my Tinder without me even doing anything blew the fuck up. Mm, love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the shift in the ascendant has been a welcome surprise in a lot mm. of places. It, is yeah. that because of the the ruler of the ascendant change? Is, mm-hmm. is yes. that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, just moving out here and again moving from a detrimented chart ruler and detrimented angle. Um, angle rulers now to I mean um, three out of the four angles are are domiciled you know Saturn um, ruling the first I have Mars and Scorpio um, which would rule the fourth and then Venus and Libra would rule right am I doing this right um, not the four yeah no yeah Mars would rule the fourth Venus and Libra <laughs> rules the tenth <laughs> brain um i'm trying to picture my chart turned and i could just look it up look at it right now but regardless just that um yeah it feels i i've i'm finally able to like really plant my like plant my feet and like kind of this is the first time i ever lived alone in my life this is the first time i've ever like you know been able to like provide for myself in this way and it's so much more like domiciled and less so like you know feeling like i'm just like trying to trying to get my like trying to keep it together like i very much am always trying to keep it together still but just in terms of like the the way that um my life has shifted since i've gotten here and you know being able to just like do my own thing and mm-hmm. you know it's just a lot different. So yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. Just like the the ruler of the ascendant sh- shift would be very potent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because the the responsibility of the planet in that location changes a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? Anything else to share? <laughs> Went on for a bit. I am just so grateful that you two came on and that we were able to do this, <laughs> put this together. Um, let let's let the people know how to find you. Um, Charm, how about yeah? Tell us where we can find you. Um, yeah, I I do offer locational astrology consultations, and I'm hoping to put it out there sometime in the next month. That I, I'm also going to start uh, doing locational astrology consultations with forecasting, so like a year ahead, together mm-hmm. with a locational consult, because um, I find that also very useful together. Um, so people can find me on the internet. Um, <laughs> so my website is charmastrology.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, I am at charmastrology. And on Twitter, I'm at charm underscore astrology. 
Awesome. And yeah, just plugging again, Charm just did a webinar with us on locational mm-hmm. astrology. And what was it called? Uh, so it's locational astrology and assessing planetary condition. Yeah, with Fresh cool. Voices. Yeah. And that's available on the Fresh Voices website um, for like 30 bucks if you want to buy it and you'll have it forever. And um, yeah, freshvoicesandastrology.com. Um, Alyssa, how do we find you? So I also offer locational astrology consultations. You can go to praxisastrology.com slash book. And if you like what I'm saying, you want to read more of my writing, I have a Patreon. I'm Praxis Astrology on Patreon. On Twitter, I'm at Praxis Astrology. But on Instagram, I'm Praxis underscore astrology. So those are the ways you can find me and check me out. Cool. And we'll have everything linked below as well. Um, Thank you, guys. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Charm and Alyssa are just simply amazing, as you can see. (laughs) So, so blessed to have them both on. And yeah, I'm sure I've mentioned that already um (laughs) in the show but i really do feel very honored to have both of them on to talk about locational astrology um i hope you guys got a lot out of it i hope that you are you know looking up your lines as we speak (laughs) and um until next time yeah i'll talk to you soon have a really fun episode for you next week um releasing on 419 which is the day before 420 so I won't say any more, but uh, we might have a little bit of a 420 themed episode for you next, uh, next week. Um, so until then, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye.